Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. Okay, so this week we did another uh, documentary, so another happy hour. And um, these are Hulu shock docs. Um, and it's called Helltown. And these make me want to stop doing these all together <laughs> and watch all of them at the same time. <laughs> they are so fucking scary. And if they're real, I just can't. I, okay, when I first started watching it, I was like, oh, my God, this is scary. Yeah. You know? But as it went on, I was like, what the fuck is this? There's no way it's real. No way. No way. What if it is? It's not. Okay, we better talk about it because nobody knows what we're talking about yet. (laughs) Okay, so it's called Helltown, and it starts with, text on the screen that says this story is inspired by accounts of a real American town that has been abandoned for more than 40 years. Um, we don't, we didn't know anything about this documentary. We, we watched like 20 seconds of the trailer and that was it. Like we were like, we, we took a shot in the dark on this one. Um, and it starts off with, what looks like teenagers on a, they're filming themselves. And then it says October 13th, 2016, 11.48 p.m. So these teenagers are freaking out. They're walking up to this town and they see a, a pretty permanent sign. The road is blocked and they duck under the barrier and enter this abandoned town. Then more text. It says in 1975, the town of Boston, Ohio, was forced to evacuate by the U.S. government. It has been abandoned ever since. Then it goes back to the kids. They're freaking out, saying how creepy it is. Then more text. And it says the town was displaced to make room for a national park. Some believe there were ulterior motives for erasing Boston, Ohio from existence. Okay, so th- at this point, I was curious. So I went on Google Maps, and it's called Boston, Ohio, or otherwise known as Helltown. And it's fairly close to Lake Erie. And it's also close to the Cuyahoga River, which is about four and a half hours away from us. That's it? Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was in Ohio, and I knew it was, you know, it yeah. had to be fairly close, so... Yeah, it's close. Okay, so back to the teens, and they believe the town is haunted. I assume that they're talking about the teens when they when they pull this, because this is, again, text on the screen. Then it says, in October 2016, four teenagers trespassed into the national park that was once Boston, Ohio. They're letting off fireworks. The teens enter a restricted area within the park. They see restricted area signs for the area, but they go past them. And then it says they were broadcasting all of this live on the Internet. So, like, people were watching them do this. Then they find a cave-like thing, which I later realize is more of a tunnel. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it, it looks like a man-made thing, which, again, I realized that later it was um, a tunnel. And... Then the text comes back on and it says one of them did not make it out alive. Then you hear them screaming and the video cuts out. Uh, Then some guy is talking, don't know who he is yet, but he says that everyone had their stories that they were saying about the town, monsters, mutants, Satanists, but they didn't know what actually happened there. He said that they were just curious like we all are, but they took it a step farther. They broke into the areas that were strictly off limits. Then they found out, then we find out who this guy is, and his name is Paul Wyndham. And he is a professor of folklore and mythology at the community college in Cuyahoga. 
He says he uses the history of Boston, Ohio in his curriculum, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, in 1974, the U.S. government, under the direction of Gerald Ford, exercised eminent domain over the town of Boston, Ohio. They did this because they said they were basically making room for this national park. But this would displace hundreds of residents living in the area, making this a controversial decision, obviously. Then an old news broadcast comes on the screen, and the news guy is saying that homeowners in this town are losing their land to the government, which is bullshit. Yeah. Then this old fella is being interviewed, and they are in contact with lawyers and such, and he says, well, why can't we just ignore them? Like, no, we're staying here. And the lawyer told him that he can't do it. If he does, they will send armed men out there, and they will take it from him. So the old man was talking about his grandson that was deaf. His name is Connor, and saying that they, they were comfortable there, that this is their home, and they're they're just going to take it. Like, he's like, no. It was about 1975 when they actually did come in and take the land. Then the grandson comes on the screen, Connor Dwyer. He says that there are a lot of talk around town about putting in a park, and then they kicked us out. He says he was in shock. He couldn't believe it, which I, I can't either. I, I couldn't believe that. Then all of a sudden, there were all these boarded up houses. They just bought them all up and kicked everyone out. Um, the way that the evacuation happened, a lot of conspiracy theories arose to explain why the government would just wipe this town off the map. It shows a bunch of U.S. government property signs that went up with no trespassing signs. Then we meet conspiracy theorist Terry Greenbaum. And he says, what happened in the town was unprecedented, still resonates to this day. You can still find a, uh, info on Google about it. He believes it was a cover-up. The bill that was signed that permitted the government to exercise eminent domain was signed on December 27th, 1974. Then he shows us a picture of Gerald Ford on a ski trip with his family on that date. So he wasn't even in Washington on that date. So why would they sign something over the holidays that would move people out as fast as they could for a national park? Does not make sense. Then they treated the bill like an emergency action. Like, why? Why? Why would they do that? It's crazy. The bill was signed in 1974. The land was not designated a park until October 11th, 2000, 26 years after the evacuation. That that was weird. Yeah. It's like, what have they been doing yeah. on that land for how many years? 26. 26 years. Um, and that and was another in 2000. Thing, yeah. Another thing that I think is weird, if it's going to be a national park, but you can't go on it? It doesn't. None of this makes yeah. sense. None of it. It's insane. Uh, so the most prominent conspiracy theory was a chemical spill cover-up. This was because of, of a sulfur smell throughout the community. There was a dump called Kredge Dump in the town that they were saying did have reports of unauthorized chemical dumping by government agencies. Um, there were also reports of paranormal activity going on in the town. They were saying that there were supernatural force on the road into the town that would take control of the steering wheel of drivers that had led to fatalities. The cemetery had reports of seeing the dead, and there, were, there was an old slaughterhouse that people said they saw shadow people and unexplained lights. Uh, and it, it dated back to before the Europeans arrived. Lots of reports about satanic worship in the 1800s. At the center of town was a church that people were saying that was evil because there were two upside-down crosses on the front of the building, like prominent. You could see them. In 1975, there was a debacle that happened between the U.S. government and a few residents that were refusing to leave. In the spring of 1975, five soldiers and two townspeople were killed within the boundaries of Boston, Ohio. The unusual details surrounding these deaths have provided fuel for conspiracy theorists. So Terry's back. 
the army squadron that was in, and he's saying the army squadron that was involved in the incident was a single corps, signal corps, signal corps, that they were the ones who filmed the battles in World War II that you see on the History Channel all the time. And no one will speak on record of the evacuation or the incident that happened after. There was one survivor of the fiasco that was able to give us the most detail after the town was evacuated, and that is Corporal Everett McMahon. I love this man. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But he has never spoken publicly on the matter. The reputation of the town is now tarnished, and the locals don't even call it Boston, Ohio. Now it's Helltown. And after all that, the title page comes on. (laughs) And I was like, are you kidding? I have two pages of notes already. I was like, seriously? (laughs) Okay, so... Now it says, October 14th, 2016, 12.50 a.m., Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Back, We're back to the cave thing. And Professor Paul is talking, and he again says that these teenagers were broadcasting live on the Internet so everyone can see what's happening. Then he says, at this point, no one knows that this will be significant evidence of the accident. So I'm like, ooh, what's going to what happen? So you see these teens setting off fireworks down the road, and then the screen says one of the teens was killed and two others injured in what authorities deemed an animal attack. Then you see footage of again, and they start screaming, and you hear this growling, and it does sound like an animal is attacking them, but the camera is moving erratically, and you can't see anything. You're just hearing sounds. Then it says none of the surviving teens or their families have publicly spoken about the incident. Then Terry's back and said that the video was removed a few hours later, but it was already too late. It had already been copied and shared. Then we see breaking news footage with Captain Marie Hutchinson and the headline read, Body Recovered in Cuyahoga. She's saying that the four teens entered a restricted area in the park where they encountered what they assume was a bear or some animal. Literally, she said that, some animal. Uh, then about a week later, they caught a cute bear and killed it. I could have lived without the cute yeah, dead bear pics. Exactly. Um, and for most people, that was that. You know, that they took that for the answer. Uh, but to conspiracy theorists, this was huge. So Terry's back. He said the government wasn't transparent about how they even knew that the bear was responsible for the attack. They didn't release any reports that would indicate they even did anything to determine if this bear was the culprit. Then he has video and says there are, he's looking at the video of the um, teens and there are a few parts where you can get a good look at what is attacking them and it's no bear. He says it doesn't even sound like a bear, and he has sent the video to no fewer than six carnivore experts, and none of them even know what is making that sound. So back to Everett McMahon, Terry says that he witnessed in 1975, what he witnessed in 1975 is the key to unlocking this mystery, and he agreed to talk. (laughs) Uh, He feels a responsibility to tell the truth, and... Then the text comes back on screen and it says Everett McMahon has refused to talk about his experience in Boston, Ohio on camera until now. Very exciting. So now Everett is talking and he says that even though it was so long ago, he remembers even the tiniest details of what happened. And now it's happened again. So it's time for him to tell his story. Very exciting, again. (laughs) The sounds on the video of the teens, he says it's the same sound he remembers from 1975. It was the same thing that attacked him and his crew 40 years ago. Then it shows footage, I assume, which is real. Like, I'll get to that later. Um, Of him coming across a dead body. He knows what is there because he saw it, he heard it, he filmed it. And he knows where the footage is. So Everett then says that his memory isn't what it used to be. He has been leaving the stove on at home, things like that. He was recently diagnosed with fast progressing dementia. Because of this, he feels it's important to tell his story, especially since it happened again. 
he's racing against time, basically. He wants people to know exactly what really did happen back in 1974. He was part of the Signal Army Corps from 1966 to 1975, trained as a sound recordist. He did two tours in Vietnam. That was a life-changing experience, which for everybody probably that went there. He was with a crew, and they were filming some pretty crazy stuff over there. Uh, once he returned, he was immediately put on a crew to document the evacuation of Boston, Ohio. Mm -hmm. He said he was under the impression that they needed to film it in case of an, of an emergency evacuation. It was in the midst of the Cold War, and, they, and a nuclear war was still on everyone's minds. Uh, so he was teamed up with some great guys, he says, that he had known in the Corps, and one of them was Jack Wright, and he was a hell of a cameraman, he says. Then there was Henry Martin, and he was responsible for inventory during the shoot. They were to go in on foot at a certain time, take inventory of the area of what had been left, left behind by the residents. The first thing they did was issue them rifles, he thought it, that was strange because they weren't heading into a combat zone. Um, they said that they were, there were a few aggressive townspeople that were still refusing to leave the area, so it was a security measure. They gave him a map and told them to stay on this predetermined path, and the radios in the area had radio interference, so the radios were out. No radios. Very sketchy. Mm-hmm. He thought this was strange, too, because the area was supposed to be unpopulated. So, like, why wouldn't, what, what interference, basically? Uh, they issued them flares in case of an emergency situation. They also asked them to film any abnormalities that they may encounter. And he thought, abnormalities? Like, what the fuck? Then he began to think that they were getting into a situation that was more complicated than what they were leading on. And that's what it sounded like. So Weird Terry's back, and he's in Helltown doing some sort of show. Very dramatic, not cool. Uh, so it is a YouTube show that he does all by himself. Uh, this Conspiracy Network, and it is a bi-weekly show, if you're interested. <laughs> then he shows us his episode collection, and he says he's a huge movie buff, and he has some VHS tapes. Dawson's Creek. The first one he reads <laughs> off is Dawson's Creek. It's not even a fucking movie. What the fuck? And then I saw Babe in there. <laughs> what the fuck? Not great. Not great. <laughs> then we meet Tort Wardle. He oh comes on God. camera looking like his name. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> um... And they are so, they're looking, they're looking at crap they will never understand. Uh, so no one knows what they're doing. It's just a hobby. Then they show us them doing the show thing, and it's horrible. He's, he's trying to talk like Zach Bagans. Like, everything's, like, so interesting and haunted. He like, does not pull it off. Not though. great. <laughs> I put eye roll, not great. <laughs> Did you see one of the shots that they were in? And it must have been their, I don't know, their studio or whatever it was. And there were like guns behind them. No, I did not. It's oh like, oh, God. seriously? Come on. <sighs> oh, these guys. Okay. So back to Everett. He says that they were going into the abandoned homes and filming and assessing what personal items were left behind by the residents. And he, he wasn't sure why. Like, yeah. What the fuck? None of this makes sense. Uh, it sounds like the pathetic lies I would tell to kids when they're five. Like mm -hmm. the things that they were telling them. Like it was, they were just so dumb. They're excuses. So they wanted to get the job done, though. I mean, no one is going to argue. You know, they're not going to argue about it. And it felt strange like they were breaking into people's homes. A lot of them were in really bad shape getting ready to fall down. He says that once they saw the family photos and personal belongings, it was pretty clear that a lot of these people were forced out of their homes. Then they come across the first house with a strange type of graffiti. It was two W's with red paint. And they thought this was odd, but assumed that they were being marked for demolition. And I get that. That makes mm -hmm. sense. 
So they went down into the basement and found a basket of fruit and a bunch of candles on the floor. Certainly strange, but they were concerned that someone may still be in the house. And Jack took an apple from the basket and took a bite. <clears throat> then they heard footsteps up upstairs and worried they might encounter a disgruntled resident. Uh, but it was a member of the U.S. Army survey team. The survey team didn't say much about what they were doing there. And from what he knew, you brought in the survey team if you were going to be constructing something like roads or tunnels or buildings, things like that. He remembered watching them walk off into the woods and thinking, like, why would the government want to build something in the middle of the woods? Like, it, it was weird. Mm -hmm. Then Terry's back and with his friend Tort, <laughs> and he says that he has the coroner's report on the teen that was killed. And I put, I hate these dorks, so they must have done something. I don't know. Okay, so he has this coroner's report. That he keeps flashing around, but you can't really read it because he won't let you. Exactly. Okay, he says, the report states that there are no typical teeth piercings or tearing of flesh. Skin was left mostly wholly intact, and most of the organs were left behind, but the corpse was missing the better part of the skeletal system. What? Okay. How would he have gotten a hold of a coroner's report? I don't know. And it was of the teen that had just been killed. Yes. So unless it's public, I don't know. Or unless, unless the families talk to him, but I don't, why in the world would they talk to that dude? Didn't it say on there that they they talking to anybody? Well, they said, I don't know if it was anybody or for the film. I don't know no. if they wanted to say, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, then I put, then shows the report. I don't know. Do you remember them? It says not a bear attack. Then I put, who the fuck let this guy on camera? You're fired. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, Tor is, is filming and licking cheese puff dust off his fingers. Ew. I, I don't think, like these people. I think that's what. I think they are the ones that make me believe that, that it's this, not real. Yes, yes. Because it's so over the top. It's them and dork fest. Yes, absolutely. 100%. They it reminded are, me of the people that was on that flat earther oh my documentary. God. I watched. Oh my God. No, no. Now See, everyone else on it though. Seemed pretty, you know. Until the very fucking end. Yes. Oh, my god. Okay, gosh. let's just keep going. Okay. Then the teenagers are back in the cemetery talking about the place being haunted. Then Everett comes on, and he is remembering walking through that graveyard and said it was like something from a horror movie. He noticed a grave with the name uh, MacMantha, Mac something like that, written on it which is a reformed version of his surname, McMahon. And he wondered if he had distant relatives buried in that cemetery. Um, something else strange that they were told about the, the place was abandoned, but someone had been... Oh, something else strange. They were told the place was abandoned, but someone had been placing fresh flowers on some of the graves that had been put there recent, recently. It's like fresh flowers were on these graves, um, which was weird. So obviously they show the gra a gravestone that says Reed Farrington on it and Paul the professor is back. And he says that no one claimed that area because the Algonquin Indians had said that some of the land was sacred, but Farrington saw that as an, as an opportunity and he didn't believe in sacred land. So they settled there anyway but found out quickly that the land was barren and some said that they were being punished for settling on sacred land. Even in those days, there were stories about something worse lurking in the woods and barren land was the least of their worries. So legend has it that one of the Irish settlers, Marcus Lynch, had come across a creature in the woods. It looked like a buck and one big enough to feed his whole family for months. He took aim but the creature stood up. 
He described it as being seven feet tall with the antlers of a deer, the body of a man, but very slender. Then it made a sound. They were saying it's a Wendigo. So that's what we figured out is in this woods. It's, it's the Wendigo. Then we meet Bill. Um, Bill, a historian. And he says that he grew up hearing stories of the Wendigo, even, but even as a kid, he knew it wasn't real, just used to instill fear and in the wrong hands. Oh, the story was used to instill fear in the wrong hands. So like people would use it to scare people. So these stories of this creature start to circulate around town and Reed decides they need to appease this creature and they start doing the rituals that the Algonquin Indians used as an offering to the spirits. Now, they had no knowledge of the Algonquin people, their religion. They blindly engaged in the in rituals that they made up based <laughs> on secondhand accounts. Like, wow, people are stupid. <laughs> At first, they would collect food and wine and leave it in the forest for the creature, but things escalated quickly. Um, so I don't think he liked that. Then they started sacrificing animals. Poor goat. The sacrifices seemed to have an effect. Their crops returned and the winters weren't as harsh. But the dependency on these rituals increased. So if someone got sick, they would make a sacrifice. If they wanted bigger crops, they would make a sacrifice. So eventually this became the norm around town. The rituals continued for years, all based on paranoia and superstition of this Reed Farrington, Farrington dude. Over the years, Reed and his followers made bigger and bigger offerings. Some say they were even sacrificing humans. It was kind of a pagan religion, religion that was spiraling out of control. So they took the sacred rituals of the Algonquin people and kind of created their own. And to this day, there are markers on the edge of the woods that are marked with a W that some say the earlier settlers would place these where a sighting occurred. Um, eventually, it mapped out a perimeter that the creature didn't seem to be able to go beyond, which I thought was interesting. So once you passed the border, you were in Wendigo territory. So the video shows these teens crossing the border. And Everett is back in 1975, and they are at the church. He had heard rumors of the satanic rituals, but at the same time, you know, they just saw it as another abandoned building. They found a circle of candles inside the church, a lot like the ones they saw in the house basement, but these were lit, clearly ceremonial. I didn't think this was normal townspeople who were refusing to leave. It was more, and he felt like they were there with them. He found ceremonial robes, not like you would find in a normal church. And then they see the two W's sign again. So radical religious groups had died down, and the town slowly went back to Irish Catholic roots, the dark past had seemingly been forgotten until about 1967. So then Connor is back and he said that he used to go into the woods and play war with his friends. And one day they see people coming towards them. Two people dressed in matching black outfits and they were leading a goat on a leash into the woods. They tied this poor goat to the tree, said some sort of prayer and left. The kids stayed perfectly still until they were gone, and Connor says he remembers going up to the goat and petting it. Then his friends hear something in the woods, so they grab him by the shirt and started telling him to run. So he followed them, and remember, he's deaf, so he didn't hear what they heard. Um, and they didn't want to get in trouble, so no one told their parents, but the next day... His friends went back and they wanted to see if the goat was still there. He didn't want to go because he was scared and he never saw his friends again. They went missing. He told his grandfather about what they had saw in the woods and he told them to tell the police. So they went and filled out a report. And Professor Paul is back and he says that when Connor reported what he saw, everyone knew what it was and what it meant. And 
uh, it, it was back to the old pagan ways of Farrington. So a small sect of people who thought it was their responsibility to continue the old ways, and they were referred to as the W cult. So accusations start going around the town, saying that they may be involved with the, with the kidnapping of these kids, and the cult refused to allow the authorities on the property. The police discovered that they had collected quite a bit of armory, so eventually the FBI got involved, and things went downhill from there. It was, it was the Waco before Waco. So several casualties, suicides, and fatalities of people who weren't even part of this cult. It was a huge disaster, 14 people dead. And they didn't find the kids or any remains, but they found something that kept them there for weeks following and bringing more government agents in. So after they were they removed, um, they were removed. Things started to go back to normal, but after that, strange things started to happen in Helltown. So Connor is back, and he says that there was a terrible sulfur smell throughout the town. Some days it was worse than others. People were saying it was probably that dump again in town, chemicals being dumped, and they said that there was so much, and that's why the, the town got evacuated. So, like, chemical spill. That's what they had been clinging to the whole time. Some said that the, the smell would coincide with a new presence in town, which I thought was weird. They brought animal and wildlife population control in, and some thought they were FBI agents posting as hunters. They were thinking that the creature that the cult worshipped was real at this point. So then it shows the teens again, and they are at a rock. They spray paint a pentagram on this rock. Then Crazy Terry's back talking about, um, talking to us like he is very excited and says that he is re-watching the teen's video and he found something. And he's freaking out about this rock. Uh, He's looking at a map from the 70s and the rock that the teens just spray painted was not on the map, but it is there now. And his camera guy is like, "Uh, okay, what now? And Terry tells him to do a close-up. So he does. And Terry says, they're going to Helltown. I really can't stand these guys. Oh, my gosh. They're unbelievable. It's horrible. Okay, so back to Everett. They get to the slaughterhouse early evening. And he says that he felt like they were on a haunted tour of this town with no real purpose. Like, they were just walking around. Um... What would you want to walk around a town like that? Complete ghost town? Yes. Like that. So would I. <laughs> okay, so inside any uh old abandoned barn, they go in they go into the slaughterhouse. Then he noticed a huge cage and wondered what type of animal they would keep in there. They found tools for cutting antlers and horns. Once they got outside, it was the first time that they heard heard it. He says it was a guttural, unusual sound, but at the same time, it was like a bird squawk. He'd never heard anything like it coming from the direction that they were supposed to be headed in. Then they show them passing that border where, like, they're in Wendigo territory now. So Crazy Terry's back, and he's getting into it, man. He sound, it sounds like he's always been too scared to go in this area before, but he thinks it's going to get him his own TV show. You know it does. Mm-hmm. So he's heading in. He cuts this huge hole. <laughs> it was not necessary in this fence. Scared out of his mind. He's like jumping at shit. That's like not there. Then he comes across this W marker from the first settlers. And remember, it's supposed to mark where a Wendigo had been spotted. So it's pretty creepy. Um, he's so scared, but he's going for it. He says, I'm so stupid. <laughs> and then he finds the rock that he was freaking out about. And it shows the rock and the pentagram that the teens painted on it, which was a little eerie. Uh, but Terry and Tort are so excited. And they're going to examine the rock. Holy shit, he knocks on it and it's fake. Okay. And this is where I get lost. This is where it loses me. Yes. It, 
Okay. So they try to move, they try to move this rock. It's totally fake. Like you can see it like billowing, like it's fake. Okay. So the videos of the teenagers. They're laying on it. They're all around it, laying on it. Yeah. And with as easy as it was to lift that rock up. Well, when they pushed it over, it like undulated. Is that the right word? Like moved up and down. Like it was totally fake. Yes. Yeah, no. There's no way. No. That that was real. At all. They moved that rock and I was like, what the fuck? I know. I know. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so now they start digging under this thing and they they get to this glass, like a glass ceiling is what it looks like. So they break the glass and it's like a room. So he's going in and I put, is this staged? Is this real? It totally is staged. It's it's not, no, it's not real. Okay, so Everett is back and they're walking through the woods and they get a bit lost. He didn't know why they had them going through the woods anyway. They were supposed to document what was left behind by the residents. So it didn't make sense to him. And they hear that sound again, but barely this time. And they find a goat that had been tied to a tree. It was dead, but it was just skin and organs, no bones. And they see the two W's again. So Jack, the cameraman, said he saw something, but no one else did. But he said he filmed it. And they zoom in on this figure, and it's in these trees. It's kind of confusing because they're doing reenactments, too. Mm. So, like, I never know if it's real or not. But they show what looks like the body of a man, head of a bull, basically. Um, And finally, they get to a clearing where they see stakes everywhere. Like, that go in the ground, not the kind you eat. (laughs) Um, And... They, he, he, he assumes it must have been the servers that they, the surveyors that they saw earlier. They must be wanting to build something there. And then it hit him. What was he doing out there? The only thing of significance that they had filmed was the sound of that creature. That was it. Now he was in charge of the audio. So he had the boom mic and the earphones and everything. So he heard gunshots and screams through his audio equipment so they decide to go toward that direction to see if they can help so then terry's back and he's down in this thing that they found he's like in a tunnel it's it's creepy um they're walking through this tunnel and it looks kind of like a sewer maybe they find an unlocked door yeah he is scared out of his mind they go in and it's like an office with really old computers, conference room. It's it's and it's abandoned. There's there's old papers everywhere, coffee carafts. I mean, it's really weird. But they are so excited. They find a card table, and the cards are like they're still passed out, like they were in the middle of a fucking game. And let's say there's no dust anywhere. Anywhere, perfectly clean. Yep. The the cards look brand new. Yeah. Um. So many chairs in the cafeteria that are knocked over. It's weird. Uh, It's a huge place for many, many people to work. There's a medical center with medical tools. And again, they find antler and horn cutters and hazmat suits. I put, at this point, I'm wondering if this is real. Um, They find a vault or a containment unit. Huge cube of concrete with a vault lock. More containment units, huge, huge spaces. What is happening? Um, Oh, and he didn't get to finish his ending because he was talking too slow when they were filming. (laughs) Poor Terry. Oh, my God. Okay, so Everett is back. And they get to this dump that everyone's saying is the reason for the evacuation. And he remembers the intense sulfur smell. They hear the creature again, but a lot closer this time. They know that the, the men were in trouble, so they split up. Perfect plan. <laughs> Jack comes across something and yells for the other guys, and they see the survey team that they had talked to earlier, but they were dead. No bones. No animal could do that. They realize that Henry isn't there with them. They let off a flare and <clears throat> hope that they will be 
um, like dragged out of there. They hear Henry screaming for help. So they start following the sounds. They come to this tunnel thing again, I'm assuming, with a glowing like a fire. And he wonders why they, they haven't helped. Like, he's wondering, there's people, you know, why haven't they helped us? Um, so as they walk through the tunnel, they hear, or they see Henry on his knees, surrounded by figures in black robes, and it looks like he's about to be sacrificed. Okay, so Terry is back, and he's pissed. People online are saying he's full of shit and fake. <laughs> so he wants to go back, and this time he wants Tor to confirm what he is saying. No, he doesn't want Tort to. He wants the documentary oh, crew to. Oh, that makes more sense. I, was, I thought he was like, dude, you come <laughs> with me and you confirm. That's I was like, already with him. <laughs> That's what I thought. Okay. But when they were there the first time, it looked like the documentary crew was it did. already there. Yeah, it did. So that made no sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so now Everett is back again, and it takes him a second to comprehend what he is looking at. And he said that it looks like they were about to do some ritual and tells Jack to film it. Uh, if anything bad happens, they have it on film. So Everett pulls his rifle and tells these people not to move. And Henry's scared, freaking out, and he yells at Everett. So they grab him, and Jack and Everett fire off warning shots. The guys shoot back, so now everyone's shooting at each other. Henry runs. He's blindfolded and tied up into the woods. Like, he runs into the woods. So Everett starts running after him, but he loses sight quickly. It was dark, and they were in the, wo they were in the middle of the woods. Then he comes across Henry's body. So it was apparent that he was killed by the same thing that killed the survey team. So obviously no bones. So Everett feels like he's next, and he lights, he sets off a flare to basically try and scare whatever this thing is. And these people in black robes get him and tie him up and blindfold him and tie him to a tree. And Jack's no longer yelling for him either. So he starts to yell for Jack, and then he hears something approaching slowly. He's completely paralyzed with fear. He could smell it. He could feel the warmthness of its breath. He gets free and finds Jack. He sees the cameraman or the camera, grabbed it and ran as fast as he could and sent up another flare. Jack was dead. He said he sent up several flares, definitely enough to signal an emergency situation, and no one came. Uh, then he saw clearly for the first time this thing. He said that. He, um, Oh, maybe he, he realized it clearly for the first time. He said they were sent there as bait. He thinks they wanted him wanted them to find and possibly film the creature. And he didn't think they planned on them coming out alive. He knew, the, he knew that film was valuable. So he buried it where he knew he would remember where it was. So then text comes on the screen again and says local police found Everett wandering on the outskirts of Boston, Ohio. After identifying himself, he was returned to his regiment and immediately placed under arrest for desert desertion. Is that right? Desertion? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, he said he had a very intense debriefing and was trying to wrap his head around the charge of desertion. That doesn't sound right to me. Uh, and they said that they would drop the charges, but he had to sign a statement that redacted anything to do with the creature or the cult. Their story was that hostile townspeople fired upon soldiers that returned fire, and that was it. They asked about the footage, where it was, where did he put it. He said he left it behind and has no idea where it was. Then Everett was honorably discharged. What the fuck? So Jack's original film footage was never recovered by the army. Terry is back and him and Tort return to Helltown in May of 2017. And they have a bunch of tools. Looks like they're going to go digging. They visit the cemetery where Everett claims to have buried the film footage from 1975. So exciting. 
Uh, not a big graveyard, so they find the grave marked with that name that he saw when he first got there that was the form of his surname. And that's where he buried it so he wouldn't forget. So Terry uses this detector thingy and sees if anything comes up, and it does. So they start digging, and they find the camera footage. Holy shit balls! It's there. <laughs> then Terry and Tort share their first kiss with us. <laughs> Then everything's real awkward for a minute. Uh, but it's proof that the government is lying to us about really scary shit. So they show an edited version of the raw footage recovered from 1975. Um, I, at this point, okay, they did reenactments the whole time. They cut to what were supposed to be the actual people that we were talking to and about. But this, I mean, it looks like the re reenactments to me mm -hmm. when they're reshowing. The it. only way you can tell is that the outline of it. But that can be faked. Oh, too. yeah. So, definitely. So, I mean, okay, so they show this footage. Um, what seems to be the foot, it seems to be the footage that they've been showing us throughout the whole thing. And he's poking the, these dead bodies, and it looks like Jello, super gross. Then Professor Paul says that the first settler should have taken the warnings about the land seriously. Then Terry and Tord are back, and they're looking at the locations according to the film. So they saw the raw footage, and then they're going. They went back to those areas. They saw the tree that Everett was tied up to. And where Jack was still filming, um, it shows the Wendigo coming around the tree up behind Everett. And it's creepy as fuck. It has antlers that look like tree branches, the body of a man, head of a bull. They think that Jack was trying to hide and film. Um, but then he, he like basically let go of the camera and was like, fuck this, I need to do something. So he got killed um, after he tried to shoot it. So Terry starts talking about what he thinks happens happened. He said that when they confronted the cult, they realized the, the government <clears throat> realized that this creature was real and they started trying to catch it or to maybe even weaponize it, weaponize it, just like they did with the aliens. And this was all around the same time. Then they build this bunker to maybe watch it or possibly contain it. And since they left in a really big hurry, they think that this thing got out of control. Um, or they, you know, it got out, period. That's when they evacuated the town because the creature couldn't leave that area. So they had to get them out of there. And they had no problems for years until it killed that teen, which they had gone in there, you know. So they're back, they're back to the bunker and they they move this rock again and it's completely filled with concrete. Um, so Terry's like, fuck this, and says that they're going to go, they're going to keep going, they're going to go another way. So the U.S. government just refuses to disclose any information surrounding the evacuation. They still maintain that it was closed for a national park and they still say that the teen was killed in an animal attack. The survivors and their families have declined to be interviewed. Everett is talking again, and he says that he hasn't told his story because he didn't think anyone would believe him, and he wished he had told it earlier. He said that maybe if he did, that girl would still be alive. He declined the opportunity to, to view the recovered footage. Then they do this creepy thing where they show him at a doctor's office because, remember, he's been diagnosed with dementia, and she's giving him this test of some sort, and she asks him to draw this specific shape, and he draws a fucking pentagram. What the fuck is that? <laughs> this is so not real at all. I think, okay, there really is a hell town. Yeah. It was evacuated. And that's about it. But there are certain things that really make me wonder. Like when they were digging up 
or digging that for the footage, that ground had not been disturbed forever. They found that footage. I mean, it, I don't know. It's, no, no, no. Um, there are a lot. I mean, it, it, it's another there one. There are was, ways that you can make ground look like it hasn't been disturbed. I guess. Yeah, you're and right. And he... I, and you're right, because the footage was awfully clean for it had been buried for so long. It didn't have, like, caked dirt on it or anything like that. Yeah, and even the footage, the supposedly real footage. Yeah. I am sorry, but there is not a single person that is going to sit there and film that. I don't think you're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and... From the very beginning, the teenagers, yeah, when they're attacked in that uh, tunnel thing, yeah, it shows she's holding the camera and screaming as this thing is coming up behind her. Oh, I missed. Would that. you really no? Yeah, keep crazy. filming while you're being attacked. No. Okay, so this was fake, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it was, okay, I'll give, whoever did this, it was good. It was good. It, it was, was freaky. Good, as long as you don't think it's real. Yeah. Because it was not real. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, you're right. Like, especially the fact that that bunker thing was totally clean. There was, like, no yeah. dust on everything. It was, like, it, the computers and shit were definitely from, like, the 70s. Oh, yeah. They were old as fuck. Yeah. So, yeah, the chairs look brand new. They did. They did. The cards look brand new. Yep. The the carpet was clean. There was no dust anywhere. No. And then when they were in there and they're walking down that hallway and he sees that broken glass. Oh yeah. Oh, this is this is what happened. <laughs> I know. What the fuck? <laughs> like you would know anything about what happened. I know there was like a little broken mirror just like in the middle random, of the yeah, hallway. Ra randomly. What the he fuck? was like he was like, "Oh, Something whipped around this corner and like hit it. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> but no, I mean, the first half of it, I was like, uh, okay. Yeah. They got to the fucking rock. Oh, yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah, that was bad. Okay. This is no. <laughs> No. Well, the, the just the simple fact that he was looking at that map and he was like, that rock's not there. I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. Who? What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. I and don't not know. to mention, it's not a rock. Yeah, really. So how would it show up? Oh, my gosh. It's paper mache or whatever. Whatever that was. It's yeah, made it out like, of. It looked like plastic. Like what you would put it. Like um, they have those fake rocks that you put yeah. in playgrounds and stuff. That's yeah. definitely what it looked like. Like a fake rock. Yeah. It was totally... But totally it was malleable. Hollow. Yeah, it was malleable though, because when he when he knocked it over, it like moved. Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah, it's bad. But it man, was freaky, I though. was all into it at the very yeah. beginning. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" I know. I because when I talked to you earlier this week, I had watched like a half an hour of it, mm -hmm. and I was like, "If you know, if what is if what this is what I think it is, this is scary." But yeah, no. While you were doing that, I kind of looked up on align a little bit about that town and it's you know it said that uh, you know it's abandoned so yeah. of course it's creepy yeah but they said that it was abandoned because the uh town the some of the companies started like dumping shit well, that's what they were talking about at that dock. Yeah. They were doing, like, illegal Well, they were saying that it was the government. It, was, oh. it wasn't the government. It was companies. Oh. I, I, don't, I don't think they said it was the government at first, did they? I thought they did. I don't know. I don't know, but... I just think they thought that, I mean, who, whoever, that's, whoever was dumping those chemicals there, it was, like, overwhelming. And, like, you know, they started to smell that, so... Yeah, that's what they were saying was that they had to evacuate because of that. Yeah. So. But I mean, yeah, like part of me was like, I can't watch these anymore. <laughs> and then the other part of me was like, but I want to watch all of them now. Because I mean, it's just 
It makes you think. But yeah, that Terry dude definitely ruined it. And then Oh yeah. And then the pentagram at the end really made me Yeah, that disappointed very, yeah. in Everett. I because at the in the at the beginning it showed him at the doctor's office. Yeah. And she's like, Can you draw these two things the way it is? And right. he did. Yeah. He drew it like it was on the paper. Yeah. And then He's drawing again at the very end, and then he turns it over, and it's a fucking pentagram. And I'm like, what the fuck I is know, that? I know. I was disappointed in Everett. It's like they were trying to... It's like a, one of those found footage movies. It is. Is yeah. what it is. It is and creepy. It, so, I mean, it, it, you yeah, know, it is... It's, if you're watching it as entertainment, mm-hmm. not something real, it was pretty good. It was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I really wish they wouldn't call them documentaries. Well, they call them shock docs. Is that the same thing, though? I don't know. Hmm. I'm starting to wonder. Yeah. I, it wonder reminds if, me of that one that we just watched about the the devil made me do it. Yeah. Because we were talking afterwards, and we were like, okay, well, you know, so he murdered the, his landlord, and like, Said it was demonic possession, but like nothing ever happened again. He just went to jail and then yeah, like exactly. had a normal I'm life. I'm looking up what a shock doc is. Okay. But see, I think they have one about Ed Gein. Yeah. And it makes me really like, ob- he's a real dude, you know, he's a real psychopath that actually. So is that real? Like, are they going to put some twist on it to make it? A shock doc, you know? Is it all fake? I don't know, but... Well, it doesn't really... Let me put... Didn't bring up anything when I put what is a shock doc. I'm going to put R... Shock... Real. And it gave me the same thing. <laughs> I assumed it was short for a shocking documentary. Yeah. Well, it doesn't say anything about any of them. Hmm. But I think it's a Hulu thing. Hulu's the only one with shock docs. They call them shock, you know. Well, how come it was on Discovery Plus then? Oh, it was? Yeah. Maybe it's a, I don't know, maybe it's a Discovery Plus thing. I've just said the wrong thing. No, I don't know, but they're just, I'm not saying that there's some strange stuff out there. Well, okay, obviously the history that they were talking about is real. Yeah. Reed Farrington, because, I mean, they showed his grave. Mm-hmm. This professor was talking I'm, I mean, I guess he was a professor. <laughs> he was talking about him, you know. You, you and obviously this guy was real at some point. There, you know, they, unless they just went and oh, here's a grave. Let's use this name, but it seems that at least the history is correct. What happened is obviously real, mm-hmm. but the why is where they go, and that they did it with the other one too. Yeah. Like, you know, this happened. Um, he killed his landlord, but why is the part where they go off on these crazy theories that are they real? Is this why? And this is exactly the same conversation we had after the other one, the exact same thing. Like, why is it a religious thing or is it a religious thing? If you don't believe in God, do you get an exorcism? Like, it's just, it makes you think. And I I find it hard to believe that in, okay, so in this hell town, that there aren't more people wandering around there. Because a, a little flimsy fence ain't going to keep nobody out. Well, and the fact that this underground bunker thing, they had like huge conference rooms and like this gigantic cafeteria and like chairs everywhere. Like there was hundreds of people working there. That's what it looked like. Like a mm-hmm. huge, huge office space. And where were those people? Come- where are they park? You know, like <laughs> where do you park when you go to work? What? 
is there an underground parking lot? I, you know, it was just, it's just weird. It's just, yeah, it, some things don't make any sense. The found footage, <laughs> there, it's just, it's not believable. It's not. And that's what makes people not believe in any of it. Right. You know, we're not saying that something could be out in the world somewhere that we don't know what it is, some kind of creature or something. But when people make like stuff like this. And then you got people like Terry talking about it. Like he knows for a fact yeah. that this is a, you don't No, You don't, you don't know. We, no, you're not supposed to know, obviously. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, obviously there's weird stuff because there's too many stories yeah. From, you know, real people yeah. that experience stuff that there's something going on. I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's things like this that give it a bad rap. Yeah. Yeah. And it stops people from actually finding out what is happening, mm. I think. Because even if they did find out what was happening, nobody could believe it because yeah. of this shit. Anyway, so that was but the documentary we watched. <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It though. was. It was good. It, they did a good job. I mean, I was hooked. Yeah. I was watching it. It was good. I wasn't believing it, but I was watching it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we do these. So you guys don't waste your time if you don't want to watch it. You can just listen to us talk about it. I think it was worth watching, though. It was good. They did a, they did a good job. And to see, <laughs> see the awkward kiss at the end was probably worth it. <laughs> God. And Those you know, they're they were, yeah, they were so over the top. It was like they were the comic relief. Yeah. Of, you know, yeah. Which, Absolutely. Which makes it seem more, even more like just a movie. Yeah. Fake. Totally yeah. fake. Anyway. All right. Well, that's that. Guys, send in your stories. We still need them. Ghouls Night Out Podcast at gmail.com. You can look us up on Facebook, ask to join the group, uh, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen, and we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.